Hello and welcome back to the Poet Delayed Podcast. Uh, my name is Scott and I'm the host. Uh, as always, I would like to thank those of you who have taken time to listen to my prior episodes and to those of you also who have uh, taken a moment to share your thoughts and suggestions with me. Uh, I, I, I appreciate that. You can you can always do that at uh, my email address, poetdelayed at gmail.com. And I just, yeah, if you have any thoughts or suggestions, that'd be great. Uh, I've got a, I'm excited tonight, uh, in this episode, I've got my nephew, Hustino Foster, well, Justin Foster, but I think I've called him Hustino since I first met him back when he was two or you just, yeah, you had just turned two years old when I met you. And, uh, now he's, uh, a grown man, graduated from college, uh, served a mission in England for the LDS church. And now he's, uh, a professional working man living in Salt Lake City. Uh, Justin, tell us a little bit about what do you like to do for your hobbies? What do you do when you're not working? Um, I spend a lot of time with my family, I've learned, um, which is awesome. I, I used to not think like, like that was my go-to, like who, are you, who are you, what do you do when you spend your time with? But I realized that I do spend a lot of time with my family. I have a great family. Um, made a lot of good friends in Salt Lake as well. I like to go mountain biking, road biking. That's some new things that I've done this year. I play soccer. Love playing soccer. Um, uh, you're, are you playing, uh, I guess it's, is indoor season starting now? Or are you still playing outside? Um, outdoor season just ended. Um, I was on an indoor team, but the person in charge of the team forgot to sign up. So I'm missing this session, unfortunately. Well, if anybody out there is listening and they have an open spot on their indoor soccer team, Justin... Dude, sign me up. We'll sign up. Do they even have indoor soccer in Davis County anymore? Uh, The closest was, well, I guess they still have it at Sportsplex, um, but that league's not very, I don't know, the quality I don't think is there. Um, They they had one in Woods Cross, but they just closed that one down as well. So it's either Ogden or there's one in Salt Lake or Gardner Village. I remember because I played on a a team with... uh, Uncle Karch, your dad, I think Uncle Darren paid, played with us. Yeah, I remember once that. at Sportsplex. That's when they had two fields. Yeah, and man, that was fun. We played every Tuesday night, and I remember I couldn't wait. Like at, when Tuesday night was coming around, I was just like a little kid. I just was so excited to get over there. And and uh, Karch had uh, we had jerseys made for Karchner Electric. He sponsored mm-hmm. the team, and uh, man, that was fun. That was fun. So, but yeah, so anybody who needs an extra player, Justin is ready and willing. And I will say able. Yes. Yes. Ready. Definitely able. Definitely willing. Yes. So, um, I'm, I'm excited to have him here tonight. He, uh, he's, uh, just a good kid. He's still a kid to me, even though he's a grown man, he's still a kid to me. So anyway, I'm excited to have him here tonight. We're going to, um, I, I actually asked him to pick a poem, and the poem that he picked is the, uh, is uh, called Terrible Potential. By Scott R. Edgar. Yes, that's, that's me. Yeah. R is in Russell. Um, all right, so I'm going to read that, and then we're just going to have a conversation about it. So, All right, so Terrible Potential. And by the way, I've been told to read slowly, more slowly, because... That's one of the suggestions that I've gotten from two people. Read more slowly the poem. Yeah. So 
that makes sense, especially if they don't have it like in front of them to read. That's a really good point. Um, all right, so here we go. I see it now. For years, I only sensed it or saw the dissipating dust tails of its approach. But it filled me with terror, and there was no cover or protection, so I ran as fast as my child stride could take me, not even knowing what it was, only that it was coming. But that made the fear so much more in my little mind, so I ran harder until I forgot why I was running, only knowing that I couldn't stop. But I see it now. Its shape is fluid and undefined, and its terrible potential fills my mind. I want to keep running, retreating, but it won't stop, and it's closing the gap, and it's more terrible than I ever thought. But it's real. I see it now. And I know there's no escape. There never was. But I want to keep running anyway until it overtakes me. I won't see it coming. It will just happen and be done. But my insufficient legs refuse to carry me anymore, so I prostrate myself as an offering. I know you're coming, I whisper, and I offer myself willingly. This is not defeat, I reassure myself, then lower my eyes and brace for its fury. But my mind keeps moving defiantly. It knows truths that my body forgot, and it reminds me, you were born with claws, and they're with you still. And I remember and feel them. They are deep, but I feel them and they're there. So I raise my body from the dirt and my eyes to the distance. It is closer now, the gap disappearing, but not my fear. My fear is growing, broadcast loudly by my beating heart. But I no longer want to run, nor offer myself willingly. Instead, I watch it come and I wait. In fear, true. But I wait to receive it, and I steady myself. I have claws. And I feel them. And I will meet it face to face. I have terrible potential too. I feel it now. All right, so this is one of those poems that just kind of came to me uh, almost a stream of conscious when I wrote this. Um, I made a few changes afterwards, but. Um, no, and really, it kind of, you know, in a sense, uh, kind of, I, I feel illustrates or demonstrates kind of how I've approached things in my life and the changes I'm trying to make in my life at this point. And, uh, you know, but before I, I talk about it much, I, I am interested. Like, you know, I, I I asked you, I said, hey, Justino, choose a poem, whatever one, and you came up with this one. So I, I'm just interested, you know. What was it about this poem that struck you? What was it about this poem that made you want to uh, talk about it? Um, there's a lot of things that I really like about this poem, and we we talked a little bit before this. Um, one of my one of the favorite one of my favorite things in this poem is the um, phrase "I see it now," and I think. I can't remember if that like is what stood out to me um, a couple months ago when we talked about reading this or if it's something that stood out to me more now. But um, I just love, I love the principles that are in this poem. And I think, uh, I think they're really applicable to where, 
where I was and where I am at in life. And maybe there'll always be applicable principles, but um, particularly now, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's kind of one well, of those, yeah. Tell me what you mean, actually, because I don't know what you mean. Oh, uh, <laughs> well, I think there's like there's a lot of principles that are always applicable in life, but some are emphasized at different mm, times okay. in life, if that okay. makes sense. So, yeah. um, so right now, like I see it now, like looking back at my life, like, oh, I see, I see this, I see this, I see this. Like, I felt like for a long time, like I was, um, reminds me of the, I always, I always, uh, it always reminds me of the song, that music video that I did for the killers, Rut. Oh yeah. Yeah. I always think like, I got for, for a while I was in a rut and, um, I feel like just like looking back at the last couple like years of my life, it's like, oh, I see, I see why I was doing this. I see why I was doing this. I see that I can do this now. And so that's one of the things that stuck out to me a lot. Um, reading through it this time, I think previously a couple months ago, one of the things that stuck out to me the most was I have a clause and I feel them. Mm-hmm. We had a really good conversation back then about um, the difference, like on what meek meant, on how you and I had a conversation. Yeah, we had a really okay. good conversation about meekness and um, how being being like i don't know passive or like good or all of those things it's not meek if you can't be bad mm. and so i love that like i have claws like you have to have claws it's not like self-control it's not like any of those things to have like it's like being a cat with no with no claws. Yeah, a declawed cat. A declawed cat, yeah, like all that so, stuff. So. so I think we've talked about this, but so I, that concept of claws I got from from Nietzsche in, in his, uh, his book, Thus Spoke Zarathustra. And it, it's, it's just really impressed. It, it really impressed itself upon me when I first read it. And I've thought about it a lot. You know, he says in there, um, he says... I'll paraphrase it. Of you, I deem all evil possible. So I want the good from you. Verily, I laugh at those weaklings who consider themselves good, but have no claws. The concept, the idea being that if you have no ability to, um, if you have no ability to cause damage, then it's not a virtue to you if you don't cause damage. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 having that ability and controlling it, having that ability to inflict injury, but choosing not to, choosing the, the higher road, or or using it when you do need to use it. You know, yeah. keeping that and um, and that's really impressed itself on me because for me, much of my life has been, I, and I think we're all born with claws. I think we really are. I think we all have that capacity, but when we're kids, I think. It's easy to have those, you know, it's easy for us to hide them, forget about them um, as we're growing and trying to um, get through childhood. You know, some people maybe overemphasize them maybe. I don't know if that's the right way. Or they misuse them. Some people don't use them. And I was the type of person who I withdrew them and I never 
I, I try to avoid conflict. I try to avoid chaos, not as a peacemaker, but because I was scared. I was afraid. I was afraid that I wouldn't be able to. I, I was. I was afraid that people wouldn't like me. I wanted people to like me, and so I was a people pleaser. Is you know the way to say that, I guess. And and I was scared a lot when I was when I was a kid, and even as as an adult, I was scared in that sense that I I wanted to do things that would encourage people to like me, even if that meant um, not being assertive when I needed to be assertive. Even if that meant that I wasn't going to stand up for myself, I would rather just be quiet and, and move on. So I don't know. Is it, have you, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Have you experienced anything like that? And Oh yeah, for sure. I think I was the exact same way. Like I think about moments like moments of like contention or controversy I was like very much the same way like as a chameleon I'd please this person please this person or like I'd be very understanding of this but I didn't really know I feel like in a lot of those situations I didn't know where I stood until after situations like that too and it's because I was always putting off what I thought and doing what others thought if that makes sense yeah like I would it wasn't it wasn't my own thoughts I was doing what I should do or Mm -hmm. um yeah or what I thought I should do even what I should do or what I thought I should do or what other people's wanted, what other people's, what other people wanted me to do. <laughs> Did you graduate from college? I tra- yeah. People's, barely, other barely. people's. People's. That's a word, isn't it? Yeah, I guess it is. Other, <laughs> I other guess people's. It is. I think that's when you're talking about like groups of people. I don't know. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Whoever knows the answer to that, let us know. Yeah, help us out. Um, yeah, I, I mean, that was, that was me too. And, and the thing is, I, w- I would tell myself that I, I almost painted it as a virtue. Like I am being non-confrontational i'm a peacemaker i wasn't being a peacemaker yeah i was abandoning myself and i was giving myself up because i wanted to fit in exactly there's no there is no self right like you're like what's i had no opinion on anything you know what i mean it was it was everyone else's opinion and stuff like that like i had i hadn't come up or thought about anything long enough to have my own opinion or i was scared of offending someone or mm-hmm. i don't know yeah i mean in, in this poem i mean it's it's represented here as as me running um there was you know i i was afraid to stand up to anything i was afraid because i didn't think that i i, I thought you know like i like i said here i was i was just afraid i didn't even, in fact it got to the point where i didn't even know why i was doing it but i just mm-hmm. was just doing it and you know, at some point in my life, uh, I realized that um, this is not like I've lost myself. Yeah, I, I have not been progressing at all. Maybe I've been making. Maybe I've been, you know, uh, moving forward, but it's because I'm running, not because I'm yeah. like growing as a person. That's so why, like that as well. I love. Um, so I ran harder until I forgot why I was running. And I love that combined with, but I see it now because that means to me, like you've, you've taken the time to stop running. You've taken the time to look back. You've taken the time to acknowledge and to look at like what, like, Oh, like I've been running, like, where am I running from or stuff like that? Like, and then you have time to process, you have time to think, you have time to make decisions, you have time to find yourself. That's why I think I love that phrase so much. I see it now because there's a lot of 
there's a lot of in the context that it's given in here there's a lot of meaning behind it yeah and and that's that's a good point and and what's interesting is i write you know i I write these poems and sometimes i don't i don't see things and like you'll come along and you'll say hey this means this to me i'm like oh i didn't even think about that you know and um and and so I, i love that about this but yeah but your point is well taken because the reason i'm running is because i never stop to understand what's going on mm-hmm. and when you're a kid a little kid you know when a lot of these problems start you know like in my life when a lot of these problems start and, and i think for a lot of people it's not just me you're a little kid and you don't know how to handle it all you know you're trying to stay alive and so and you can't even comprehend what it is anyway you know like it says here for years I only sensed it or saw the dissipating dust tails of its approach, but yeah. it filled me with terror. I never stopped to understand what it was. All I knew was the terror, the fear, the pain that I felt. And so I was trying to get away from it by running it. Yeah. And you don't ever, you know, and it says, um, it says, but it's real. I see it now. And I know there's no escape. There never was is never getting away from it. I mean, I'm understanding now that the only way to deal with these, the only way through these things is through these things. Yeah. And, and, and when you, but you have to stop and you have to, you have to stop and pause. And like you said, that's a great observation. You have to stop and pause and be in the moment and, and try to understand, okay, what is causing this? Is this legitimate? I mean, is there really some, is there really a threat on my life? Yeah. Is there something else? And because I've for so long, it's, it was driven by the fear, by the terror, by the unknown. I was more afraid of the unknown, more afraid of the terror than I was of, um, that, that terrified me rather than instilled me with a sense of, adventure or a sense of like, uh, Ooh, what's around this corner? You know, uh-uh. yeah. I was like, I don't want to see what's around that corner. Yeah. yeah. It makes me think of as well. Like you say, like, I think the concept you have in here, like running, running, running. Um, so I ran harder until I forgot what I was running. I feel like in times when I'm running like this too, it's not like running and I'm making progress. It's running on like a treadmill mm-hmm. and I'm going nowhere and my mind's just racing and like, I'm not, I don't have any traction or like, it's like a car with wheels spinning out and stuff. Whereas I don't know when I, when I stop, I look, I see what I'm doing. I see what the problem is that I start like, um, making any changes. That's when I make like, that's when I make progress. And I feel like that's come with, with like maturity as well for me at least, or like growing up or like just having conversations like this and stuff as well, which, Again, another thing that I underline in this poem um, is you said, like, my child stride. Mm-hmm. Um, another thought I had is uh, how it's very childlike and immature in a lot of ways. Like, not not that not everyone does it. Like, I'm, I'm sure there will be problems that I run from my whole life. But um, it's childish to run away from problems instead of facing them and dealing with them. And mm-hmm. that's what I, at least that's how I, yeah. But there was a time in your life when that's all you were able to do Oh yeah, <clears throat> because you didn't have the capacity, emotional or intellectual, um, 
a capacity to deal with what was going on. And, and you know, and running obviously is not just the physical running. I mean, running yeah. is avoidance. Yeah. And for sure. I mean, I still struggle with, with avoidance of things that I'm scared of. I mean, things that I step back and I think there's no rational reason for me to be scared of this. Yeah. But I, I, if, if you know, it's, it's the whole, f- um, fight, f- fight, flight, freeze, or fawn, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I experience all of those things when I run into things that take me out of my uh, window of tolerance, you know, take yeah. me in a situation where I'm not able to, to uh, emotionally deal with it. And, uh, you know, and that's why, so in this poem here, you know, when, when, uh, you want, uh, I want to keep running, I want to keep running anyway, even though I know there's no escape, I want to keep running anyway yeah. until it overtakes me. I won't see it coming. It will just happen and be done. Like I'm just going to run and hopefully the problem, hopefully I get away and, and I probably won't cause I yeah, know I'm not, I, know I won't get away, but you know what? It'll just happen maybe in my sleep or, or something will happen. And a total lack of accountability is what that is. Um, but my insufficient legs refuse to carry me. And so rather than running, what do I do? I turn and I just give myself up. I remember when I was a kid, I was playing hide and go seek. Uh, we were living in Germany at the time in this big, um, apartment, uh, military housing in the basement was a, a huge long hallway that ran the length of the building. And we all had every family or every apartment had a storage unit down there. And the doorways of the storage units were kind of deep. So you can like hide in them, you know? And so we were playing hide and go seek one time. And I remember I went downstairs <clears throat> And I was hiding in a little doorway. And I remember I could hear the person who was it coming down the stairs. And I'll tell you, that filled me with terror. <laughs> I mean, I thought, oh, he's gonna, this is going to be scary. It's going to be scary. I remember sitting there and I couldn't take it anymore. And so finally I, I kind of jumped. I just gave myself up. I jumped out because I couldn't, I couldn't sit in that fear. And so I gave myself up and it turned out that he had already turned around and was walking away. And had I just sat there, I would have been okay, but I gave myself up. And that's really what I'm doing here in this poem. I know you're coming. I want to make it seem like I'm giving myself up. You know, this is what I want to do, but it's not. Um, but this, this part here for me is, um, said, but my mind keeps moving defiantly. It knows truths that my body forgot. And the, for, for me, like that fear that, that governs so often in my life, uh, fear of anything, anything that dictates what I do or what I don't do, that's my body. And that's just me reacting a lot of times irrationally to the fear and the, the, the stress in, in my body. But my mind knows differently. But the problem is, is it doesn't override what my f- body's feeling. And, I, um, but that's this point. And I actually kind of replicate this. And, and I've talked about my Carl Malone method, uh, you know, where I come and I, I have my higher self, the, 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 this whole healed version of myself that is in me somewhere. I think we all have that, you know, that version in us. We all have that, that person. And I just close my eyes and I imagine him coming, me coming and talking to myself and just reminding myself, Hey Scott, so 
okay. You're going to be okay. You've experienced this before and you turned out, things turned out all right. Just reminding myself of who I really am. And that's been really helpful for me to do that. I mean, sometimes it's more effective than other times, but yeah, for my, cause my mind, I know, I know what's, yeah. I know the irrationality of some of these fears. I know that, um, if I read, if I, I get scared answering my phone. So like, like who's on the phone? I mean, it, it's really weird, you know? And I, I know it's not gonna impact me, but it still scares me. Yeah. I did that for the first, like, six months of my mission we would have we would go and we'd like call these past investigators and my companions like all right it's your turn to call and i was like i don't want to call i don't know why like why am i so scared to call this person maybe Stuff they'll like that. maybe they'll be mean to you i know but yeah it was like <laughs> in I, a british I, accent which exactly makes it not as mean yeah not as mean it may it, it softens it for sure mm-hmm. or makes it harder <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i, I think like I, yeah I just love how that principle is so applicable to so many different things. Like, like you said, and for me as well, like just answering the phone, Mm -hmm. it's like I was running away from answering the phone. I was going to have to call at some point someone. And the faster that I took care of it and learned how to do it, the better off I'd be. And I can move on to the next thing and actually make progress instead of worrying and stressing about it. Worrying and stressing. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I've seen this in my life on, on like small levels, like the phone. And on bigger levels, it's and and it's just kind of this big umbrella that has you know plagued my life. And I know, and overcoming that is even though I understand that, it's like you know in movies, uh, you know you have the big fight scenes at the end, you know, and the protagonist will be in the fight and he's and he's getting beat up, you know, and he's like. And all of a sudden, here something happens, you know, or like a Bruce Lee will taste his blood, you know, Bruce Lee. Someone hits Bruce Lee in the face, and he, I love that. He kind of takes his thumb and gets the blood on his thin, licks it, and then it's over. You yeah. know, I mean, he's gonna just tear it up. So, but that's like I would lick the blood, get ready, and then I get my butt kicked again. You know, yeah. but I would get back up. I mean, that's the whole thing here for me is. Uh, you know, I no longer want to run. I don't, I don't want to run, but my fear is still there. My fear is still there and I still have to work through it and it's hard. Um, I think that's the point that we all have to, like we all get to Like whenever we overcome something, it's like taking the time to see it and then realize like, Oh, I'm sick of running from this or I'm sick of whatever consequences I have from running from this. Like, I'm going to fix it (laughs) or like you say, offer yourself willingly, like, like whatever, come what may I feel like. Um, but I don't want to run anymore. So I'm going to like, so I, so I made a phone call, you know what I mean? uh, It's like, Oh, well this is unavoidable. So I'll call and then see what happens. Yeah. So you can, you can just offer yourself. I mean, you can just give in and, and, uh, fall off the deep end. Mm -hmm. You know, you can, you could do that. That's true. Or, and that's kind of what that represented was I'm offering myself willingly. I'm just giving up. Yeah. I'm not even going to try. I'm not anymore. even going to run. Not even going to run anymore. I am telling you that I give up. Here's my white flag. Come and whatever happens, I don't even want to try anymore. It's too hard. Yeah. And so that's one option. That's true. And then the other option is I'm going to I'm going to confront it face to face, and I might get my butt kicked, but I'm going to do it. So I, I I guess I look at that as two 
two opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. And you know, where are I'm, I'm, I'm kind of sliding back and forth in between those. Um, what would you say like giving up looks like though? Like for me in that phone call situation, what would, how would I, it would, cause to me running would be the same as not doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think for me, um, I, 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 I guess in my mind, I think of running as you're still doing stuff. It's you're avoiding one thing you're running from, you're still doing stuff, but, but giving up is like, like for instance, um, let's say, uh, I, this is something that I, <laughs> uh, like, like say you've got messages on your answering machine and you, and you don't want to listen to them or I say you, I'm throwing you under the bus when yeah, it's really right. me. <laughs> I don't want to listen to them because, you know, not because I mean, it, there's just an irrational fear that, that there's going to be something that stresses me out in these messages. And so I don't do it today. I don't do it tomorrow. I don't do it the next day. And eventually I'm not, and I'm just going to stop trying and, and, and maybe there's, and I, and I don't care what happens. Wow, that's not a good example. Um, I mean, I, I think on the extreme end of that is suicide. Yeah. And I think that is a real, for some people, that's a real viable, or not viable, it's it's a real possibility for some people. I think yeah. that is just saying, I'm done. I'm not even going to try anymore. I'm done even pretending. I, I guess that's what it is. Because I've, I've, I've been running away from these things. But at the same time, wearing my mask of newness, you know, like that poem I have uh, on becoming a black hole, you know, I talk about, I, I guess that's a really good, I mean, that's a really good example of it. You know, it's um, where I've, I go about my life wearing, you know, as I'm wearing a mask of a mask of mirrors reflecting to people what they want to see in me, because when I and what other people want me to be, then I receive praise and, um, and people are, uh, I forget the word I use in that poem, but when I, when I do what people want me to do, because I can see that they want it, they don't even have to say anything to me. I just know that if I do this, that's going to please them. And they're going to, you know, tell me how much they appreciate it. And, you know, you're such a, you know, you, you did a good job. And, and that fills me with, uh, it just kind of builds me up. Not, yeah. not in a healthy way because superficial, right? very superficial because I'm not being myself and not being authentic. So that's running where I am just being what I want, what I, I people, I am like you said earlier, like a chameleon. I want to be what other people want me to be reflect to them. I absorb that, that praise that they give me. And that gives, and that praise, even though it's superficial because it's not, it's not, a, it's not a, a, a reaction to me being authentic. Yeah. That is enough to offset the pain or the depression or whatever it is that I'm suffering. And that's the rutting. I'm continuing. Or the fear of doing what you want to do. Yeah, yeah, good point. And, and so I think that's the running. That's the the running is like, 
I still want, I, I, I still want to be in this life. I just am too afraid to face the problems, but the laying down and saying, I'm giving up. That's, I'm not even going to do that anymore. I'm not even going to pretend to be what people want me to be anymore. And that can be suicide. That can be, I think for me as well, it could be like just ending relation, like not relationships yeah. necessarily dating, but like whether it's friendship, da, 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 da. Like I, I feel like I've done that before where it's just like, Oh, this, this is too much to deal with. Yeah. And so like, I'm not going to, I'm just going to end this relationship. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I can't, that, that probably could be a good example of yeah. as well. You know what? This is something interesting actually. And I didn't, never thought about this till now. Actually. I remember like when I was in school, I would have an assignment that was due on a certain day. And I knew some people, a lot of people actually, they would get those assignments. Like if they knew they had an hour left, they would give their all in that hour. Yeah. And me, I was waiting for that hour to lapse to where I could say, well, no use trying anymore. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I, there's no use. And then that was just given up. Yeah. I think that's a really good example. Yeah. And, and so, but, but the ability then to say, I'm not going to give up. I've got an hour left and I'm going to give my best in that hour and maybe I fail, but I'm not going down without a fight. Whereas mm-hmm. it used to be like, oh, oh it's too late. Uh, I would if I could, but you know, there's no more time. Yeah. So that's a long answer to your question. Oh, that was a good answer, though. I think we came to a good conclusion. I think so too. Yeah, I think it. I think that's that leads into what I was thinking as well. Like one of my other favorite parts of this poem is, "I have claws and I feel them," and I think just to go off that assignment example some more. Um, it's like recognize it's it's seeing it. I have an hour to get this assignment done. And then no matter how good or bad you do, like like we we're talking about that cat being declawed and stuff, mm-hmm. like maybe you're you just got your your things your claws clipped or whatever, and you get a zero on the assignment. But to me, you tried, and like that's progress and stuff. And like I don't know, like I have claws, I feel them, like I know they're there and stuff. Um, I know, like I don't know that I can do this, da da da. But I have claws, and I know mm-hmm. that they can be used. And like to me, that like that's the start of like making progress. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think a lot. Like, so I'm coming. For me, this was kind of uh, understanding this principle of not abandoning yourself, and and how abandoning oneself is really at the core of a lot of these emotional issues, a lot of depressions, and you know probably not all, but a lot of it. At least for me, like abandoning myself, uh, understanding that has been huge for me. And and I mean, I'm I'm actually working on another podcast. Real quick, when you say like yeah. abandoning yourself, um, do you have like some just real quick examples? Like, what is what do you mean? Like, what did what kind of stuff did you do to abandon yourself? Is it just that, like we talked about, like being chameleon, people pleasing stuff like yeah. that? Yeah, I think for the most part, just like you want, uh, you don't ever speak up about what you want, mm-hmm. and rather than speaking up about what you want, you just do what other people want you to do, so you'll fit in. Yeah. And so because there's a fear of if I speak up about what I want, people won't like me. People won't want me. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not even going to risk that. I'm just going to do what 
other people, what I know that they want me to do. I am going to like things that other people like. Yeah. If I'm with people who are, um, I don't know, if, if I'm with if I'm around people who like country music, then you know I'm going to jam to Garth Brooks or yeah. you know I just it's just you just morph like a chameleon. And I think like just real quick, not, yeah, no. um, for me that turned into I didn't even know what I wanted anymore. Like you said, like perfectly in this, like you don't even know what you're running from. Da, da, da. Right. And it's the same principle of like oh I don't even have wants anymore. Like yeah. and then taking the time to like look back, like oh I want to get this assignment done or like oh I want this, I want this, I want this, and that's yeah no I'm. That's a great point. I learned when I first started going to my therapist that I'm with now, two and a half, almost three years ago, she introduced me to a concept, wantless and needless. And that's how I became wantless and needless. I never expressed wants or needs because I didn't want to be um, an issue. I didn't want to be, I, I didn't want to be the cause of stress. I just wanted things to be calm. And so I became wantless and needless. And um, I forgot what I wanted and needed. In fact, it's interesting because there have been times that I've expressed like, like I've expressed a, a distinct like for something or like I like... I don't know, let's just say food. I, I like that restaurant. So, and I say, I want to go to that restaurant. I don't want to eat there. And my expressing that I've, I've, I've felt this more than once. I've, I felt this feeling inside, like, wow, that's kind of cool. I like have a preference, an opinion, an opinion. I have yeah. a preference because I would eat anything, watch any movie. I would do anything I was in there's no way to have a relationship nobody wants a relationship like that who, yeah. who, who would want to and I thought I was being easy but I wasn't being easy I was being uh, boring and I was being frustrating but I, I just thought I was being go with the flow yeah go with the flow he's an easy, easy guy to going. be around yeah. and that works well if you're just with a group that you just first met or if, if you're with a big group you know you, mm-hmm. you never want a group of 50 for everybody to have their own opinion yeah but if it's just a couple of you it's good to have an opinion. And in the times that I expressed opinions, I thought that feels kind of cool. That's wow. I should, you know, that's, that's, and I think that's what makes people want to be with you and hang out with you is yeah. when you have common interests right, or common disinterests. Like, Oh, you can discuss, you it. don't like this restaurant too. Yeah. Let's go find, let's go to more restaurants like this. You know what yeah. I mean? That's how, or you can have a conversation with somebody. Yeah, exactly. You can have opposing opinions and, and have a good conversation about it. But I, I grew up not doing that. I just was, along for the ride. I was a warm body and it was, it was kind of like being dead, I guess, Mm -hmm. you know? So, yeah. So wantless and needless, that's what I was. And part of this whole healing or this process that I'm going through now is understanding what my wants are. What do I like? And like trying things out. And yeah. not just doing what other people, or not not just like doing things that I want to do, which is hard. Frankly, it's hard. Yeah. It's not easy. No, it's easier way. Just it's way easier. Just go with the flow, float down the river, mm-hmm. do what everyone else wants. I think that's easier. Oh, it's it's so much easier. It's harder to make decisions. It's even harder. Like 
you know, I, I love to go to the desert. I love to go hiking. And, but I still won't do it sometimes. Like I have the time. I, I have the means to do it. And I want to do it, but I don't. Even it's just because I don't, I don't, I just, I don't, I guess it's, I don't reach out and take what I want. Yeah. You know, and I mean, that can go to an extreme, of course. But, uh, you know, I always use this, use this example that, you know, if there's four candy bars and there's five of us, I was always the one who would step back and say, you know what? I don't want one. Mm-hmm. Because if I wanted one, then there was going to be a discussion. There was going to be... Um, Potentially you know, contention. Yeah. There, there's going to be a confrontation to some degree. Yeah. Because, the, you know, we're going to have to figure it out. So rather than engaging in that process which is a very, can be a very healthy growing process of saying, okay, there's five of us, there's four candy bars. How are we going to figure this out? I just hit the easy button and said, you guys got it. I'm out of here. Yeah. No growth, no learning. It's just, here you go. And so I, I, I guess in a sense, I robbed myself of that growth. I, I robbed the other four people of that growth in that, in that example. Um, and like you said earlier, it wasn't you being good. Right, right. It good, wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't a virtue of goodness Mm-mm. or kindness. Like, oh, I really want that candy right. bar, but I'm willing to. It's like I don't even want that candy bar because yeah. it's not worth the, any problem or contention that right. comes with it. Right. So. Yeah, but I, I did. I, you know, I, I, I remember thinking, I'm a pretty easygoing guy. You know, I'm, and and I know that some people like that because I did whatever, and I was yeah. always available. I was always available. Um, someone said that to me once they're like, Oh, like it's so, it's so fun. Or like, it was like, they were complimenting me, but it was like a backhanded compliment. <laughs> Cause they're like, Oh, you're always available to do things. And I was like, Oh shoot. <laughs> that was, that was, that was kind of you for me, rude. like a, like a see it now type of thing. Like, yeah. Oh, like maybe I need to like get some more hobbies or like figure some more things. Like, you know what I mean? Like I need to, I shouldn't always be available. Yeah. The fact that you saw it though, that that's that. Cause I know that there, I, I wouldn't have seen it for a long time. I would not have seen it. I would have just thought, yeah, you know, I mean, easy. But the problem is I, I would end up, I, you know, and what it leads to, what it led to for me was abandoning myself all the time. Like I, and then, and then people, I was expendable. You know, people didn't, mm-hmm. there were, people didn't worry about just, uh, people didn't worry about canceling or, or like, uh, you know, almost like, yeah, you know what? He'll be, he'll be there next time. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. You know, he's expendable. And, and so what I would do is I never really got outside of myself because I didn't want to chase people. But I remember in high school there, you know, there's always the group of the popular people, but I moved around a lot. And so I would always end up with just a couple of really good friends, you know, just a couple of really good friends. And, we just did everything together and never really branched out, branched out and never branched out at all. And I remember, but there were a couple of the cool kids who I was kind of friends with. And again, whenever they would want to do something, I was available every time. Mm -hmm. And if they did something offensive to me, 
I forgot that pretty easily. And I was, you know, and I was, they would call and I was right there again, you know? So it's really, uh, you know, it's for me, it resulted in a a cycle of self-abandonment regularly. I was always available to these people who didn't uh, necessarily always treat me well. Uh, some of them did. I mean, I'm not trying to paint them all that way, but but there were some that I was just there, and and, and so what's interesting about that though is like, I think there's always those kids as well, like they learned because of that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or like well, may, maybe like they they had those experiences. Like they're the ones that had want they wanted to say this mean thing, and so they did, and they realized like maybe they didn't. It didn't happen with you, but they said that mean thing, and then maybe this person doesn't hang out with them. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. Like they were the ones. Do you know where I'm going with that? No. I, I just think with the... He's playing to me like I'm in fifth grade. So I think... I think school's interesting because those kids that are willing to take those risks to, like, offend people, mm-hmm. to do what they want, they have very clear wants. He wanted to say that mean thing. Yeah. And so he did. And because of that, consequences... You didn't give him any consequ- consequences right. there, there the next time. But I just think it's interesting that... Like to me, that's what that's what high school's for. You know what I mean? That's what yeah, school's yeah, okay. for is to go take those opportunities to learn. Right. And they benefited so much just from that. You know what I mean? And that makes them, yeah. But yeah. The, but they're they're the kids with clear wants, mm-hmm. and that's that's might be what makes them cool too. You know what I mean? It's very distinctive. Like they they are this person. Yeah, they have a sense of who they are. Yeah. And maybe you know maybe they're. They're expressing it at that age. They're expressing it in a way that's hurtful. Yeah. Um, but like you said, that's how you learn. And I think people, like, I think that also might make what them the quote-unquote cool kids mm-hmm. is people who don't have wants attach themselves to them. Yeah. Because they want something. They're, they want to go along to the right. Like you, for example, you wanted to go with, like you said, these are the cool kids because they were they wanted to do something. They did something. They invited you, da 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 da, da. Well, And you never develop it. You never, you never develop yourself. I mean, you never know what you want. You, you don't know. I mean, you like whatever, but like you just said, you like what other people like. And so you, you don't know who you are. And, yeah. and, and like you said, you kind of get lost in, in it. And, and then you don't know why you're running anymore. You're just running and running. And then at some point, you know, the, the way to get over that is, is to have a, an epiphany or a realization like wait a second yeah you know and like the you're all always available comment like oh shoot yeah exactly <laughs> exactly and uh you know i kind of think of it like uh the the hero's journey you know we're all you know we, we receive this call to go on the hero's journey to where we can find ourselves and and, and know who we are and I, I know that I feel like I, I received that call. I, I feel like there were many opportunities in my life to where I could have understood that, but, uh, I didn't have the, um, I didn't have the carrying power. I didn't have the capacity to, to really go through it. And so I would just peter out, you know, and I was, Oh, I can't. And then I just revert back to my old, uh, ways because it was scary. It's, it's scary to step out. I, um, I went to a, a, a little gathering last night in Salt Lake City. A friend of mine invited me. I got there before he did. And there were just people mingling. It was just a crowd of people, you know. I could have gone in and just been one of the crowd. But I was so terrified to go into this social situation. 
because I, I didn't know who I was and I didn't know who I could attach to. I didn't have any conf, you know, and, and I'm still working on those things. And there are, there are situations where I don't feel that way. It just kind mm-hmm. of, sometimes it comes back. Yeah. I remember, I remember I, I, in Las Vegas, I went to, uh, after my mission, I went to a, a single adult dance and I was supposed to meet some friends there. And I was in, uh, I pulled up and we had a, you know, I was I don't know, 21 probably. And we had, a, I didn't have a car yet. I just got off my mission, not, you know, months earlier. And, and I had to drive the family van, I believe. And I remember I just had this panic attack. Like I was so terrified to go inside to this dance and I hid in the van. I didn't even want people. To, I mean, it got worse and worse and worse as I sat there. Cause I didn't want people to see me. I, I, I was frozen and my friends weren't coming and no one was meeting me there. I didn't have a cell phone. No one had cell phones. And so finally I just, I got the courage to go in and I, and I know I looked like a robot walking in there. Yeah. So tense and, uh, <laughs> stood against the wall for a minute. Some girl came up and asked me to dance. I danced again like a robot. I felt like a robot song ended. Back to I was, the wall. I, no, I was gone. Oh, back to the wall. Even worse. Not even to the wall. I was gone. I was gone. Um, but yeah, so that's that. That why did I tell that story? Um, just that 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 fear of. I still struggle with stuff like that, you know, and, yeah. I, and I'm still trying to to get over it. But it's still, it freezes me. Freezes me. Um, and then there's the fawn, you know, the, the fight, flight, freeze, fawn, the fawning where you're trying to, um, be kind, you know, butter people up. Well, I tell you, I, I got pretty good at that. I I knew, I I knew with certain people what to say to make them happy. Yeah. That was with my dad. I knew what to say to make him happy. And so I never really expressed my true feelings about anything because I was afraid of him being upset and I wanted his attention and affection. So I knew what to say. I knew what to talk about that would make him happy. Yeah. Um, and that, that, that's all related to all this. And I go back real quickly. I, I want to go back to what you mentioned about uh, high school kids, the ones who were who knew what they wanted, yeah, because sometimes they're mean. They we we call them bullies sometimes. Yeah, you know? not all of them are, but some of them are bullies, and I think a lot of those bullies probably grow out of it as part of growing up, you know. And but then there's some people who know what they want, and they're kind, you know, they're benevolent, they're kind to you. Um, and, you know, we talked about this a little earlier. I, I love that uh, verse in the book of Revelations where it talks about, uh, it says that, I don't remember exactly, but it says, you're neither hot nor cold. You're lukewarm. You're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold. So the Lord spewed you out of his mouth. And I think that's so, um, I think that's powerful because, when you're either hot or cold, you have, you know what you want. Maybe you're 
maybe you're expressing it in a in a mean way initially you know but you at least know what you want and you can mm-hmm. take that and mold it but when you're just lukewarm and you're just what everybody else wants you to be there's you're going nowhere yeah you know yeah we talked about that um a while ago as well you mentioned the story um when jesus is giving a sermon and talks to tells the people to eat his flesh and drink his blood Mm. yeah and some people stay and some people leave and then there's that i think there's a third group of people who some stayed because others stayed and some left because there's because others left and i think it's worse to be like you said in that situation of staying or leaving because others are doing it not because it's what you want to do like I think the people that left because they're like, oh, this is crazy. I think they're gonna come around and like be a lot better off sooner than the people who, and not always, obviously yeah. the situation. But right, but. It, it is. But as a general, maybe that was John chapter six. But it kind of reminds me of you know I've been really talking a, a lot about like the pro, the parable of the prodigal son. You know, I I think that's um, demonstrative of this principle because you had the par- the prodigal son goes out. And he, you know, it says he wastes his life in riotous living, mm-hmm. and takes his inheritance, and it gets so bad these, you know, f- sitting in a pigsty wanting to eat what the pigs are eating, and uh, and it says in there that he comes to himself and says, "I got to go home, I got to go home," so he goes home, and I, I just think the process, you know, the, that word he came to himself, you know, through that process of doing what he wanted to do, you know, it obviously wasn't health you know everything all those decisions that he made there was consequences consequences and it wasn't necessarily healthy but the cumulative effect of that was he came to himself yeah and he saw it i see it now and he came whereas the brother he didn't see it he was ticked you know and he yeah. says i did everything and the father says yeah this is all yours but probably and we don't know how that ends but probably you know, I can see the father saying, this is all yours, but guess what? You need to see it too. Yeah. You need to see it. You need to, you need to do whatever you're going to do to get to the point where you come to yourself. Yeah. I agree 100%. Like that, um, the son who stayed, he had, he hadn't gone to me. He's the perfect example of someone who is lukewarm where he, cause if, if staying and doing what was right, da, 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 the whole time was what he truly wanted individually wanted, mm-hmm. then he wouldn't have cared. Right. What what happened with his brother? But he was bitter because he went out and did all the things that his brother went and did all the things that he probably wanted to do yeah. and had the same outcome. And I think a really good example of that is I think I was a little mean about it too, but my mom wanted to get this car and I was like, Mom, don't get that car. It's a stupid car. <laughs> like and I gave her all these reasons of why she shouldn't do this. Like she would give a reason and da 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 like I'd have twelve reasons of why that reason wasn't good. Mm-hmm. So stuff like that. And like I said, like like I was being honest, like I didn't think she should, but to the point where I think I was a little rude, which I, I shouldn't have shouldn't have done. But I respect her. I have, I have another example of this as well. I respect her so much because she got that car anyway. After I like, yeah, I I wouldn't say I was like over the top, da da da, but like I I gave her, I wrote her pretty hard about like not getting this car, mm-hmm. and she got it anyway. And I respected that so much because she wanted it, she got it, and she was happy with it, no matter what anyone else thought. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I have a friend like that too, 
Um, there was this one time I had a friend that wasn't wasn't doing well, and I was like, he just needed to get out of the house, and I wanted to take him hot tubbing. And I had a friend that had this hot tub, and I was like, hey, can we use your hot tub? And he's like, he just basically said no. He didn't have that good of a reason. He's like, yeah, the place doesn't want, like, the place doesn't want, like, other people to be using it, and I don't want to go tonight. And I was like, yeah, but, like, come on, like, mm-hmm. we can get around it. I know we can, da 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 all that stuff. Like I, I say da 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 da. That da 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 is like the twelve reasons that I gave him of why he should let me. But I respected him more sticking to, like himself and being himself and saying no, you can't do that. Than letting me convince him or push him over yeah. into letting me do that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it was, it was cool for me to be like, oh yeah, like I, I respect you so much more for not letting. Even though I think you're wrong, mm-hmm. I genuinely think like you should have. And, like, he came back around, and he, like, apologized. Like, yeah, I should have let you. But, like, I respected him so much because he, he knew what he wanted, right or wrong, yeah. and he did it. Right. Which is cool. No, I, I think that's it. I mean, because we don't make right decisions. I mean, that's one thing that I've struggled with, too, is trying to make, not making decisions because I don't want to make the wrong decision. Mm-hmm. I read something the other day. Um, a quote from a philosopher I don't remember more has been lost through indecision than wrong decisions you know and I've struggled with that you know rather than out of the fear of making the wrong decision I just don't make a decision or I let somebody else make the decision Mm -hmm. because if it falls apart well hey that wasn't my decision Mm -hmm. you know and I'll support you in that but it wasn't my decision instead of you know, going out on the limb. Hey, here's an idea, but I don't want to, you know, I, I, in the past I haven't wanted to have my idea fail. And so I don't, I don't put it forth. And, and again, that's, that doesn't benefit anybody. I think it's dangerous to be in the category of, um, not wanting because then you're so, I think you you can be like in these situations. Like, let's say my mom did, got this car because I and maybe this isn't a good example of the dangerous part. But let's say she got she didn't get that car because I told her not to and gave her twelve reasons. And then she got something else, and then she wouldn't be happy either way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or let's say what I was convincing her to do was bad, and then she did something bad because I convinced her instead of standing her ground with like, I want this car. You know what I mean? Maybe yeah. it was a bad decision, but where I'm going with that is like, and we talked about this a little earlier too is uh this this poem reminded me of and i don't remember where i where i heard this but it talked about it's like there's a fraud protection rule of thumb where like 10 percent of the people will always will never steal 10 mm-hmm. percent will always steal and 80 percent are situational 80 percent of people working at companies are situational meaning if they have the opportunity and maybe X, Y, and Z happen, they'll steal. So that could take it up to 90% of the people will do wrong when given the opportunity. Interesting. Just based on the situation. Yeah. And like, and that's why I mean it's dangerous is another, another example is, <clears throat> um, I went and did nines. Have you heard of that? Like nine, nine, nine. It's a bike ride in Salt Lake city and it's actually not at nine o'clock, but you meet at ninth and ninth. And I think they used to meet at nine o'clock maybe, but now it's like nine thirty ten. 10. Mm-hmm. But hundreds and hundreds of people gather, ride bikes, 
and you just you just ride down the streets. You ride down both sides of the street, like it's it's kind of it's it's like you just run through red lights, you <laughs> run through stop signs. People will go and they'll stop car, they'll stop traffic. Like it's just it's chaos. You know what I mean? Anarchy. It's anarchy. That's the word I was looking for. And like I don't think that's like too extreme. But where I'm going with this is <clears throat> stuff like that turns extreme because of the 10, 10, and 10. 10% of the people there won't do something wrong. And, and where I'm going with that is, well, like, it made me think of the, like, riots during COVID and stuff mm. where all these people go, like, I went there just going to have a good time. Like, people yeah. are gathering, da-da-da, like, at this event. It'll be da, fun da, to ride da, the bike. Da, da, yeah, so I keep <laughs> doing that. Um, so, anyway, people are gathering, and well, I get, well, what made me have this thought was uh, there was you know, yeah, I was thinking about the riots and stuff and how like let's say one person throws a rock mm-hmm. at this window and breaks this window down. I could totally see or even I even had that feeling like let's say 10% of the people pick up the rocks and start throwing them. And then it's so easy for everyone else in that big, huge group. And then it's just like peer pressure where the other 10% that has a well, back. Look, look at the riot or look at January 6th when people stormed the Capitol. Yeah. There were a few bad actors, but then everybody else just thought, hey. Yeah, exactly. Let's they just went along with it. And to their utter detriment, I mean, people are... It, that was no small thing for them to do. And for no. some reason they thought that, Hey, you know, everyone else is doing everyone it. Everyone else is doing it because these people had no concept of themselves. They had no concept of yeah. who they were or what they stood for. And that's where I'm going where I think, I mean, it's dangerous. Yeah. It puts you or others in places where like a dangerous, dangerous situations mm-hmm. like the capital where they don't know what they want. And so they're going to do what others want. Yeah. I, I'm working on a, a podcast. I'll probably do it next week. Uh, it's on a, a, a Nietzsche statement where he says a noble soul has reverence for itself, which is kind of what we're talking about here. You know, you have, have when you have reverence for yourself, then you don't do things that, that uh, betray yourself, mm-hmm. but you need to know who you are to do First, that. Yeah. And, and so I've been kind of gathering stuff for it and, um, you know, you look at, you know, you often, uh, you know, I, you know, you hear this question a lot, you know, how could all of these people follow Hitler? You know, how can they support Hitler? Mm-hmm. How can they do the, the, how could these normal people do the hor- horrible things that they did? And the same thing in, in the Soviet Union. How could these people, you know, you know, you're a farmer one day and then a year later you're shooting people in the back of the head for the government, you know, because they were charged with these spurious charges that they, you know, they confessed to under torture and now they've been convicted. And how can you go from there from A to B? I mean, that, that's a whole, and, and I think a lot of it comes down to they, these people don't know who they, they don't have a sense of who they are and, and or their values were given to them by someone else because they don't know who they are. Exactly. And so they are, I, 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 uh, yeah, when you don't know who you are, you will take your values from other people. You'll take the the values of the group that you're in. Mm-hmm. You will identify with, you know, the uh, 
the predominant ideologies, whether it's good or bad, you'll t- and then it'll be normalized, and you'll and you can you can justify all sorts of travesties that way. Uh, so that's that's yeah. To your point, that's why it's dangerous. That's why that eighty uh, percent people is it eighty? You said yeah. That's what the it's like this fraud protection rule of thumb is that ten percent of people will steal always. Ten mm-hmm. percent will never steal. And 80% of the people are on the fence. It's by whatever circumstances or opportunity. And I think that's a good portrayal of maybe 20%. 20% of people know who they are. Mm-hmm. 10% of those people are okay stealing. They they have, in this example, they have their claws and they use them. They steal, they take what they want. It's to theirs. detriment. Yeah, to detriment. And then the other 10%, they have claws and they're not using them, I'd say. Because they control them. and mm-hmm. yeah, Because they control them. And the others just... Wherever the wind takes them. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... This poem... The way this poem ends... And one thing about this poem that, you know, the... Because I remember when I first was writing it, I, I did pause when I in this part where it says, "But I see it now; its shape is fluid and undefined." And I didn't know how to describe. I knew it was some sort of a potential, and I, I didn't know what word to use. But the the word "terrible" just came into my mind, um, and I love that word because "terrible" is not necessarily a bad thing. "Terrible" can be great, you know, Ivan the Terrible, and um, terrible can be a good thing, a powerful thing. Like mm-hmm. you are great, you know? And so I love that word, but it can also be a negative thing, like horrible. You know, it's, it's a bad thing, you know, the terrible destruction or, you know, the terrible things that people have done to each other. Uh, so I, I like that word. And so that's, you know, when I ended it, you know, so I, uh, I no longer want to run. I, so it says, but so the gap has disappeared. The gap between me and this uh, thing that I see now, the, the gap's disappearing. It's getting closer, but not my fear. My fear is growing. But despite that, um, I no longer want to run nor offer myself willingly. Instead, I watch it come and I wait in fear. And I wait in fear, true. So, uh, but I wait to receive it and I steady myself. And that's kind of where I'm at to a large extent is I'm trying to face things and it's still scary. It's by no sense easy for me. Some things are getting easier. Yeah. And, and, I'm, and I, I guess I should say that my awareness, like I'm seeing things more now. I'm yeah. able to stop instead of just instinctively running I'm able to stop and look and be reasonable and, and, and engage my mind like my Carl Malone method. You know, I'm able to engage my mind. I, I wake up a lot. And when I wake up, I'm terrified. I, 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 I'm scared. Um, I call it my parade of horribles comes marching through my head. But I'm able more often than not to stop and uh, talk to myself and remind myself you know, about, about the truth of the matter. I like to think of that's the difference between reacting and acting. Right. 
Yeah. Instead of like having this re- reaction, you're taking the time to think and to act or right. instead of reacting, responding. Right. And so that I would say that for me, I am seeing progress in that part of my life where I'm able to see it now. Pause. Just take a pause. And there's a quote, I think it's Viktor Frankl. I think it's been attributed to other people too. It's something along the lines of between every action and reaction, um, there's a pause or there's a moment where you can decide, you know, um, and then there's that book. I think I mentioned it before called the boy, the mole, the fox and the horse. And in there, they say one of our greatest freedoms is that we can choose how to react to things. That's paraphrased. Uh, but so for me, my progress has been not necessarily that I don't have fear anymore because I do, but I'm able to stop and see it now and to pause and not just react, not to turn and start running. And I do feel this, you know, I have claws and I feel them and I will, and I will meet it face to face. I have terrible potential too. I feel it now. And I do feel that now activating is hard to do sometimes. Yeah. But I think it's, I, I know it's there. Yeah. So I agree. And I think it's important to just remember that feeling. I think that sometimes gets hard too. like, Oh, like, like that's, that's what I think was for me. One of the biggest things like turn, uh, just like a turning point for me is like, Oh, I see it. I feel it. And now I just have to continually remember it. Mm-hmm. Like, what do I do to remember that feeling that, what do you do? Um, I think some things like writing, writing in my journal helps. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just learning. Like I have to remember that. Ex- I think remembering the experience or the time period or, um, like, yeah, the experience that helped me see it. And then seeing what I did after, like I exercise became really important to me mm-hmm. because I've learned that when I exercise, I feel better. When I read, I feel better. When I go to bed early, I feel better. And so I, I think for me to remember that feeling, there's things that I have to do to be able to see it or feel it. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, I think it's a great example for me, for me, like accomplishing, like setting goals that I can accomplish like when, cause I, like you, when I exercise or when I go to bed early, get up, um, I gain more self-confidence, you know, and then mm-hmm. I, I feel my claws more because I feel more confident in who I am. Uh, I, I can't believe I didn't think of this sooner. It's knowing it's going back and looking at what I want. That is how I feel it. Okay. Explain that. So, when I look at the things that I want in my life mm-hmm. and then I look at what I'm doing to get what I want, if those things aren't aligned, then usually I don't feel good. Interesting. So if I look at what I want in my life and if I'm doing things, like let's say I want to be in shape, but I eat Chick-fil-A, I don't eat breakfast, I go to sleep, I never work out, da 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 Let's say I do all those things. Is that truly what I want? It's what I'm saying I want, but yeah. I'm not doing what I want. And to me, that's also betraying myself. Yeah. So maybe, maybe the, there's two situa- there's two things there. Maybe I don't really want to be in shape and there's something else that I want more. And I have to readjust my goal in that sense. 
or maybe I just need to be more self-disciplined yeah. and start going on that track. So I think that's how I remember that feeling is by remembering and looking at what I want and then doing like a self-check on like, okay, where am I at on that progress line? So it's not something that you could just go about haphazardly. You need to have structure. For sure. Yeah. I For me. For me too. I'm, I don't know how anybody could do it without structure, frankly. Yeah. And, and I'm in, in getting that structure consistently is, is been huge for me. That's, that's what I just feel better about myself. I feel more confident in myself when I can be more consistent with that structure Yeah, and, and not ignoring things Mm -hmm. like not ignoring, like we talk about phone. If I have 10 messages on my phone, listening to those messages, not ignoring them, Mm Mm-hmm. Cause it's kind of like, uh, the lay of the land. I just, I want to get the lay of the land. I always think, uh, you know, this principle, I always think of when, uh, in the new Testament, when, uh, so in the new Testament, when Christ feeds the 4,000, the 5,000, you know, the first thing he does is he gathers, you know, just get what we got. What do we have? Mm-hmm. Let's know what we have. All right. We know what we have now. We know what we're working with and now we can take care of it. And I kind of, I've thought about that. I think about that a lot in my life. Like, okay, maybe the situation is not perfect right now. Maybe there are things that need to be fixed. Maybe there are, maybe there are shortages. Maybe, um, things need to be arranged, rearranged, but I can't do it. Any of that until I know what I have, mm-hmm. what am I dealing with? Yeah. And and so I, I've thought about that a lot that, okay, before I can really effectively move forward in my life and, and be productive, I need to know what I'm dealing with and I can't ignore things. I can't ignore, um, I don't know, whatever it whatever is, whatever it is, yeah. whatever it is. I need to know what I'm dealing with and what, what holes are in my ship? Which ones yeah. are big? Which ones are small? Right. I need to know all the holes though, regardless. And then I need to put together a list of how I'm going to patch mm-hmm. them and then I'm going to go on my way. What supplies do I need? What supplies do I have? Yep, exactly. You know? And then now that I know that I can, you know, allocate supplies. I can make a list of things I need to buy, but if I just ignore it and pretend like, all right, the boats, like they're not there. Yeah, the boats not sinking too fast. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe we'll make it to land. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we will, you know, probably not, but I'm not even worried about it. I don't, cause I don't want to know the truth because the truth will scare me. Yeah. But the truth sets you free and knowing that truth and you know how to handle it and you know what you need to do. And that itself instills confidence in me. Like when I don't know what's going on, there's an, uh, when there are a lot of unknowns, how can I have any confidence? I can't. No, you can't. You don't stand on anything. No, because... You don't know how many holes are in your ship. Right. Because the bottom could fall out at any moment. Yeah. And I and I just, I don't know when it is. So, yeah, it's... So, when I think about this poem, that's, that's, what, I, that's what I think about is stopping. I mean, I, I, I like your emphasis. I see it now. And in order to see it now. So, in order to stop running, in order to... Um, in order to get control of your life, in order to remember 
that you are capable. And you may get your butt kicked, but you don't have to back down. In order to remember that, remember who you are, you have to stop and you have to see it. Mm-hmm. You have to pause in your life. And if you're, you know, if, if my goal is just to go from day to day and just to avoid chaos and just to avoid confrontation and to be a people pleaser, if that's my goal, I'm never going to see it. I'm never going to know where I need to, you know, what I need to shore up in my life. Mm-hmm. What resources do I have? I'll never, ever be able to do that. So good, good, uh, observation, Justino. Thanks. Excellent observation. Thank you. Yeah. We should hang out more. Let's do it. Go to lunch more. For sure. Yeah. Or we just randomly run into each other at Harmon's. That was crazy. That was, crazy. <laughs> that was so funny. So that yeah, was good. Um, well, I appreciate you making time to come and do this with me tonight. Uh, do you have any other thoughts the wisdom that you want to share because you have lots of wisdom. Thank you. I think I don't have anything else to share. I think we, I really enjoyed this discussion. I think maybe one thing I would say in conclusion, just adding on to what I said before is, um, I think taking like you, like to feel it now, what you have to do is look. And I said before, it's looking at what you want, but I think it's more simply just looking. Like, I see it. And taking the time to see it, figuring out where you're at, then you'll feel it. And, yeah, I'm happy with that with that conclusion. And I would add to this, to um, associate with people who will help you see it for sure associate with people who don't encourage you just to blow it off because there are a lot of people who will encourage you just to blow it off. I think, uh, you know, going back to Nietzsche, I tell you, I've been reading a lot. Of, I, I just, he's mind expanding for me. He, he has a quote. He said, all contact is bad contact except with your equals. And I understand that to mean except with your equals in the sense that in the sense of emotional equals in the sense of people who not necessarily want what you want, like not, not things, but want the, um, their principle in the way that you're principled or that you want to be principled. A good term for that, that I heard is people that are aiming up, aiming up like that. Yeah. So have people like that in your life so that you can be encouraged and that they can listen. They can talk to you. You can talk to them. So I would encourage anybody out there who's, you know, maybe, working through the things that we've been talking about here and, and really anything in life, find people you can talk to people who will listen, people who, um, people who are aiming up. I think that's the best way to say it. Yeah. I think people who are aiming up and then people who care about you. Yes. I agreed. Those are, I think for me, I, I, I took a while and looked at like the criteria of, 
Like, what's the criteria for my friends? I want to be surrounded by people who are aiming, aiming up and people who care about me. I think that's a great checklist. Short, sweet. Yep. Good. Well, Justino, appreciate this, and I will tell you, you have terrible potential. Thank you. You do. And uh, I'm grateful for our relationship. You've been helpful to me, as we've talked about. So, anyway. As you have to me. This is... I'm, gr- I'm grateful to be here, too. It was a really cool setup. Glad to see it. Yeah, it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun. All right. Well, all of you who've been listening, thank you. And again, if any comments, just email me, poetdelayed at gmail.com. And uh, why don't you give me a rating if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or something like that. And uh, thanks. Thanks for listening. <laughs>